America is now officially once again the largest oil producer in the world. Bad for the climate and bad for Donald Trump. You see, Republicans lost one of their cudgels. They can't claim that under Joe Biden, the price of gas has gone up and that we're no longer energy dependent. So they have to lie. And Republicans will believe these lies because Republicans are stupid. On today's program, we will discuss why Republicans are so ignorant and stupid. And I will delineate the difference between a stupid Republican and an ignorant Republican. We have a lot of Trump supporters who have begun to listen to this show. And I I could use all the help I can get. I want to build my audience. So I welcome Trump supporters. And as as a public service to the Trump listeners, I'm going to help you figure out whether or not you're a stupid Trump supporter or an ignorant Trump supporter. This is the mop-up for February 2nd, 2024. I'm David Feldman in New York. Thank you for finding me. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. Well, Biden has had enough. We've all had enough. Biden lashes out at Trump over the troops. While campaigning in South Carolina, Joe Biden articulated what all of us feel when we read about Donald Trump's comments about our troops, especially when he drapes himself in the American flag. General John Kelly was Donald Trump's very first White House chief of staff. He has finally opened up and said that Trump would often refer to dead American soldiers as suckers and losers. Trump told him he never wanted to look at soldiers who are amputees because he said they're a downer. He recently, as we all heard, Trump mocked Senator John McCain's inability to raise his arms, an affliction born from beatings while held in a North Vietnamese prison camp. Trump has openly mocked John McCain as a loser for getting captured And yet, over the weekend, ABC News interviewed a group of Trump supporters, including an older white man who says he's voting for Trump because Donald Trump once hugged the American flag. The man told ABC News that there are a lot of things Trump says and does that he doesn't approve of, but he's the only president to ever hug the American flag And because of that, this man is voting for Donald Trump because Trump hugged the American flag. You know, the linguistic gymnastics we resort to when we just can't admit we hate blacks, Jews, Hispanics, women, and the LGBTQ community. No, no, I'm voting for Trump because he hugged the flag. Yeah, well, he did hug the flag. It's true, literally, Trump wrapped up his 2019 speech before CPAC by walking over to the American flag and hugging it. What this Trump supporter left out was that right after Trump hugged the American flag, he began kissing it without consent. 
And I remember thinking when I saw that how disgraceful it was, how disrespectful that was, not just because it was Trump's lips soiling the American flag, but hugging and kissing the flag is pure, unadulterated political theater, literally wrapping yourself in the American flag, the last vestige of scoundrels. But this idiot on ABC News told Martha Raddatz that he was profoundly moved by Trump's display of love for country. More like contempt for country. I got news for you, pal. Trump is a patriot in the same exact way he's a populist. Can you even do that? Can you? I mean, aren't there laws about desecrating the flag, the way it's supposed to be handled? Are you allowed to kiss it? I know you can burn it, but are you allowed to, like, kiss it? Well, here is Joe Biden swinging hard. Well, as commander in chief, I look at veterans completely differently than Donald Trump. Think about this, especially here in South Carolina, a proud military state. Donald Trump, when he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us dressed like that? Look, I call them patriots and heroes. The only loser I see is Donald Trump. It makes me angry. Yeah, we, we know it makes you angry. We heard. Kissing the flag. Kissing the flag. Despite Trump avoiding the Vietnam draft, not paying taxes, and calling dead soldiers suckers and losers, that ignorant Trump supporter told ABC News he's voting for Trump because he's the first president to ever hug the flag. Imbecile. Imbecile. Now, we're not a nation of imbeciles, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Donald Trump has already been found guilty of defrauding banks and insurers in the New York State civil fraud trial. The presiding judge, Arthur Angoran, has ordered Trump's businesses dissolved and his properties liquidated. Trump has already lost this case, and we are now awaiting Judge Angoran's final ruling on how much of a fine Trump must pay. New York State Attorney General Letitia James is asking for $370 million. The ruling was supposed to have been issued yesterday, but The Guardian reports this morning that Judge Angoran is not expected to rule until the middle of February. Why the delay? Well, it could be bad news for Trump. More bad news for Trump. For the past 14 months, the Trump Organization has been operating under a court-ordered monitor in order to assist Judge Angoran in determining just how corrupt the Trump Organization truly is. Last week, a retired judge serving as the official court-ordered monitor issued a report saying that Trump's corporation still lacks proper corporate governance 
And despite the lawsuit, its financial statements are still fraught with errors and rarely filed with the proper authorities on time. She basically said, nobody knows how to run the business. She said, then, there seems to be some confusion regarding a $48 million loan Donald Trump was given back in 2012 by one of his shell corporations. This $48 million loan, according to the court-ordered monitor, seems to have disappeared off the books, vanished into thin air, like the money people give to Donald Trump as either an investment or a donation. It just disappears. She said she's not yet ready to call this fraud, but said that several new questions have been raised And that's probably why there's a delay in Judge Angoran's ruling. Alan Weisselberg served as the Trump Organization's chief financial officer for decades, up until 2022, when he had to leave to go serve five months in Rikers Island for tax fraud after pleading guilty to not reporting luxury gifts and payments he received from the Trump Organization. The chief financial officer for the Trump organization, five months at Rikers Island. And now there are reports this morning that Weisselberg, who is 76, is out of jail. He is about to plead guilty to perjuring himself when he testified under oath in the civil fraud trial filed against the Trump organization by New York State Attorney General Letitia James. The New York Times is reporting this morning that Weisselberg, who oversaw the entire Trump organization's finances, going back to when Trump's racist father ran it, there are reports that Weisselberg is not cooperating with the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, whose criminal trial against Donald Trump begins next month. If you remember, Trump, this was the first in This first criminal indictment, Trump was indicted for violating campaign finance laws and doctoring books to hide a hush money payment to Stormy Daniels in the weeks leading up to the 2016 presidential election. They're putting the screws into Weisselberg right now. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is hoping that by getting Weisselberg to plead guilty to perjuring himself in the civil fraud trial, Trump's lawyers will have a difficult time presenting Weisselberg as a witness for the defense. Peter Navarro, Donald Trump's Harvard-educated White House economics advisor, was sentenced in January to four months in prison for contempt of Congress after refusing a subpoena from the January 6th committee to testify about a plan he and Steve Bannon concocted to delay the certification of the 2020 presidential election for Joe Biden by flooding the House of Representatives with nonstop challenges to the legitimacy of the electors. It was the Green Bay sweep. He and Steve Bannon devised it. Now, Bannon has also been found guilty of contempt of Congress for ignoring his subpoenas, This week, Peter Navarro said he expects to start serving his prison sentence within the next two months. 
This would make Peter Navarro the first person in nearly half a century to go to prison for contempt of Congress. The House Ethics Committee is deepening its investigation into allegations that Florida Republican Matt Gates violated the Mann Act by paying for an underage girl to fly to Washington for sex. The Justice Department sent a friend of Gates's to prison for the same charges. The friend's lawyer demanded to know why Gates wasn't being prosecuted after the Justice Department said it was ending its investigation. But the House Ethics Committee is now looking at the Justice Department's files and has begun calling witnesses. One witness called to testify will be Matt Gates's ex-girlfriend, who dated Gates back in 2017 when she was a Capitol Hill staffer. The House Ethics Committee has also reportedly asked to speak with the girl Gates is accused of trafficking. So he may go the way of George Santos. But if Republicans keep throwing members of their own caucus out of Congress, they're not going to have a majority left to impeach Homeland Security Director Alejandro Mayorkas. Right now, they have a two-vote majority in the House. It is the slimmest Republican House majority in American history. And on Thursday, Colorado Republican Ken Buck said he was a solid no on impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security. On Wednesday, the Republican-controlled House Homeland Security Committee voted to send articles of impeachment to the House for a full vote. But with Buck a solid no, that means all it takes is one more Republican to kill the measure. Ken Buck is only one of two members of the Freedom Caucus to have voted to certify the election for Joe Biden in 2020. He announced his retirement late last year. He couldn't take it anymore. Lauren Boebert has switched congressional districts. She is running for the Republican nomination to replace him. Not expected to win it. She's not expected to win it. Kevin McCarthy getting even. Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who was ousted last October and left Congress in December in disgrace, is now reportedly planning to get even with what he calls the crazy eight. Those eight Republicans who voted for him to vacate the chair, making him the first speaker in American history to be removed by a vote of Congress. And he's not happy about it. Seething. He's been telling reporters every chance he gets that the ringleader in his ouster, Matt Gates, belongs in prison. Tennessee Republican Ken Burchett, or Boucher, who voted against McCarthy, accused McCarthy of then sneaking up behind him and throwing a kidney punch. Politico reports this morning that McCarthy is recruiting eight candidates to wage primary challenges against all eight House Republicans who voted him out. McCarthy left office with about an $18 million war chest that he can spend any way he wants. He could buy a house or he can seek revenge. And it looks like he's 
going to pony up some money to seek revenge. Brian O. Walsh is one of McCarthy's top henchmen and reportedly said to Republicans, quote, these traders, he's talking about the crazy eight, quote, these traders chose to side with Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and over 200 Democrats to undermine the institution, their fellow Republicans, and a duly elected speaker. There must be consequences for that decision. So there are going to be primary challenges this year. Politico reports that number one on McCarthy's kill list is South Carolina Republican Nancy Mace. He's also going after the newly elected head of the Freedom Caucus, Virginia Republican Bob Good, and Arizona's Eli Crane. McCarthy was thrown out four months ago. I'm being told he's unable to let it go and is consumed with rage over this humiliation. The only speaker in American history to be thrown out. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad he's consumed. That's what you get for censuring Adam Schiff, refusing to certify the election for Joe Biden, and blocking the January 6th committee. You deserve all the rage and anger inside of you. Nikki Haley wants to run for president as the official nominee of the Republican Party. That would be the party of Lincoln. But ABC News reports this morning that the former South Carolina governor once again is saying that states have the right to secede from the union if their citizens vote to do so. That's not very Lincoln of her. Once again, Nikki Haley, she said this before. Once again this week, she said it's in the Constitution. She said the Constitution allows for states to up and leave, you know, like they're Trump and Marla Maples. Sorry, honey, I found a much younger and hotter country. Haley made the identical statement 14 years ago during her run for governor while campaigning before the Sons of the Confederacy. During a radio interview this week with Charlemagne the God, Haley said that Texas has the right to secede from the Union if Texas takes a vote and the majority decides they don't approve of how Joe Biden is handling this so-called border crisis. Haley then added she didn't think that would ever happen, but she said it could because the Constitution permits it. Nikki Haley is stupid. No, seriously. She's, she's like dumber than Reagan. She really is. ABC News reports that she's wrong about the Constitution. I say she's stupid. ABC News reports that in 1869, the Supreme Court ruled there is nothing in the Constitution that allows a state to leave the Union once it becomes part of the United States. Like I said, we, we fought a civil war over this. Haley, in the past two months, said that America was never a racist country. She also said the Civil War was, quote, about the government interfering with people's freedoms, and she never mentioned slavery. This is why Republicans are stupid. It's just a party for stupid people. Nikki Haley's home 
under attack. Nikki Haley was swatted again. We reported earlier this week that Haley's home was swatted late in December. Reuters reports a second swatting took place on New Year's Day when a 911 call came in claiming Haley's daughter was in a pool of blood. Attorney General Merrick Garland warned that there was a spike in violent threats against public officials last year. He added, it's tearing at the fabric of our democracy. And not once has Donald Trump told his supporters to knock it off. Instead, he insists, I can't control them. And then he intimates that the smartest thing to do to prevent all this swatting and all these bomb scares is for judges, witnesses, prosecutors, and members of Congress not to enrage his supporters by going against him. This is unprecedented in modern American history. During the past couple of weeks, there was a bomb scare inside the home of the judge presiding over Donald Trump's civil fraud trial. The prosecutor in Trump's Washington, D.C. election interference trial was was swatted, along with the presiding judge in that case, who ruled that there's no such thing as presidential immunity. The Guardian reports that recently nine state capitol buildings were evacuated due to phony bomb threats. While 99% of these swatting incidents are from Republicans, in the past few weeks, Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and Republican Senator Rick Scott have also been swatted. Senator flies private. Guess who pays for it? You. Kirsten Cinema, the first-term senator from Arizona, loves flying private, steering clear of commercial airlines that us mere mortals must fly on. The Daily Beast reports this morning that since 2020, Kirsten Cinema has spent at least $210,000 on chartered flights for herself and her staff. Cinema was elected as a Democrat, became a thorn in President Biden's side, blocking important spending bills like Build Back Better, because she insisted the government needs to rein in its spending. You know, one way the government could rein in spending would be senators not flying private. This fiscal hawk needs her wings clipped. You do realize that when she flies private, you pay for it. Members of the Senate get roughly $4.1 million a year to run their offices, and they are free to spend that money any way they want. As the Daily Beast points out, cinema's couple of hundred grand on private air travel could be better spent on hiring staffers to do more in terms of constituent services. A year ago, if you remember, I gave out cinema's phone number so we could all urge her to vote for the Inflation Reduction Act. I called the number. Nobody answered. I kept calling. There was no answer, no answering machine, nothing. Finally, I received a message telling me due to heavy call volume, no one could accept my message at the time and that I should call back. So I couldn't even leave a message. Uh, it's been fixed. She's running for re-election, so she's fixed it. And last night, I called 202-224-4521, 
And I was able to leave a message telling her to drop out of the race for Senate and endorse Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego, who most probably will be the Democratic nominee. Cinema last year now, she was no longer a Democrat and is currently running for re-election as an independent. Carrie Lake, the election denier, is running for the Republican nomination. Cinema is running third in a three-way with Lake in second and Gallego first, according to the latest polls. And according to the most recent filings, Kirsten Cinema's war chest is $11 million, but there's no guarantee she's running for re-election. She might want to take that money and cash out. You know, you get to keep the war chest. Gallego, Ruben Gallego, has $7 million, and that's amazing for his first run for Senate. And Carrie Lake only has $1 million in the bank with close to $310,000 worth of debt. Deny that, Carrie Lake. Deny your debt. Leaked tax returns revealed too much. Back in 2021, ProPublica got its hands on a treasure trove of IRS documents revealing that the richest 1% don't pay their fair share of taxes and sometimes don't pay any taxes at all. ProPublica reported that Jeff Bezos, the union-busting homunculus and founder of Amazon, paid zero taxes in 2007 and 2011. Elon Musk, the union-busting right-wing troll, as well as occasional richest man in the world, paid zero taxes in 2018. Michael Bloomberg, founder of Bloomberg News and multi-billionaire who self-financed his run for president back in 2020, also had several years where he paid no taxes. George Soros, for three years in a row, paid zero taxes. ProPublica crunched the data and concluded that among the 25 richest people in America, their real tax rate was 3.4%. ProPublica reports that between the years 2014 and 2018, Warren Buffett saw his net worth increase by more than $24 billion, but because most of it is in stock, he only paid $23 million on $125 million of reported income. So he was just paying taxes on the dividends, not the appreciation of the stock. You only have to pay taxes on the appreciation of a stock after you sell it. That was all valuable information provided by a whistleblower inside the Internal Revenue Service by the name of Charles Littlejohn, a 38-year-old private contractor who specifically took a job with the Internal Revenue Service in order to make public the vast discrepancies between what the average American pays in taxes and what the richest 1% do or don't. On Monday, Little John was sentenced to five years in prison for leaking to ProPublica the returns of nearly 7,600 Americans, including former president and current rapist 
Donald J. Trump's tax returns. In handing down the sentence, Judge Anna C. Rays of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, she's a Joe Biden appointee, in handing down her sentence, she told Little John that leaking Donald Trump's tax returns was an attack on democracy. Really? Seems awfully patriotic to me. Billionaires not paying taxes and instead using that money to buy our politicians? That's the real attack on democracy, Judge. The judge then added that what Charles Littlejohn did was identical to the insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Way to cheapen a national tragedy, Judge. You know, I think what Little John revealed by leaking these tax returns, I think when he leaked these tax returns, it became one of the reasons the insurrectionists stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Obviously, they were wrong, ill-informed, but the rise of MAGA can be traced partly, not just to ignorance, racism, and gross economic inequality, but also the unfairness baked into a system that convinces the little guy he's getting screwed because he kicks in on April 15th when the billionaires don't have to. Lisa Manning, Little John's attorney, said while her client remains apologetic, Little John, she said, released the documents because he felt Americans have a right to know the gross disparities between what the average citizen pays in taxes and what the wealthiest get away with in not paying. Republican senator got away with stealing $1 billion from the government, and he showed up at the sentencing for Little John. Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott's previous gig was governor of Florida. He became a politician because there was no place else for him to go after he destroyed his reputation as the CEO of Columbia HCA, a chain of hospitals that he started. Under his leadership, Columbia HCA was forced to pay a $1.7 billion fine to the Justice Department for ripping off Medicare and Medicaid. According to the Justice Department, Senator Rick Scott of Florida oversaw at the time the single largest health care fraud in American history. Scott overbilled and overcharged Medicare and Medicaid for services he never provided. His company, not he, had to pay a criminal fine, and he never spent a single day behind bars. Instead, he got to keep his fortune and ran for governor of Florida, got elected. Now he's running for re-election as the Republican senator from Florida. Rick Scott is a corporate criminal. In another country or at another time in American history, this prick would be behind bars. Instead, he showed up at the sentencing hearing for Charles Littlejohn, that 38-year-old IRS contractor who leaked thousands of tax returns 
showing that rich people like Senator Rick Scott pay little to no taxes. Among the tax returns Little John leaked was that of Senator Rick Scott's, who complained that the Justice Department and the judge were being way too lenient with Little John, only sending him to prison for five years. Senator Rick Scott, who stole more than a billion dollars from Medicare and Medicaid, told the judge that he and his family had to live with the fear that their confidential tax returns were now part of the public record. Poor baby. Scott called Little John's leak, and I quote, the greatest heist in IRS history. Said the man responsible for the greatest heist in Medicare and Medicaid history. Little John performed a public service, you shaved chode. Then Senator Scott, who stole at least $1 billion from Medicare and Medicaid, called the five-year prison sentence, quote, the plea deal of the century, unquote. The plea deal of the century. You know, I read this story in more than four separate, well-respected news sites, and not one reporter mentioned the bitter irony that Rick Scott stole close to a billion dollars from our government and never saw one day behind bars. And yet the IRS contractor, who one could argue is up there with Daniel Ellsberg for exposing the gross inequality in our system, he's going to prison. How does Rick Scott look at himself in the mirror? I mean it. How does this guy look at himself in the mirror? Look at him. His face looks like a testicle in the final throes of gangrene. Rick Scott and Jeff Bezos should form a folk singing group called My Grandfather's Saggy Balls. My Grandfather's Saggy Balls with Rudy Giuliani on the hurdy-gurdy. How much does Rudy Giuliani have left? A lot of people want to know especially Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, the mother-daughter Georgia election workers, who won a $150 million settlement after Giuliani defaulted on their defamation lawsuit, where Giuliani was found guilty of spewing racially tinged lies about the two women, insisting on television and before the Georgia state legislature that they stuffed ballots for Joe Biden while counting votes in the 2020 presidential election. Thanks to Rudy's lies, the two women were forced to go into hiding as Trump supporters threatened to kill them. After the judgment, Rudy immediately filed for bankruptcy protection, and now we're getting a glimpse into what he actually has as his court-ordered financial disclosures are being made public. Rudy Giuliani has $14,000 in his checking account and $351 in his savings. He turns 80 in May. Giuliani's retirement accounts come to $1.4 million. He owns a 1980 Mercedes, 
valued at $25,000. His jewelry, what kind of jewelry? His jewelry includes three Yankees World Series rings. They're worth about $30,000. He also has a shirt signed by Joe DiMaggio. Because Giuliani owns two apartments that he's trying to sell, one is in Manhattan and one is in Florida, he lists his total assets at $10.6 million. But who knows how much he borrowed against those two residences. His living expenses are $44,000 a month. That's just his bar bill at the Mark Hotel. He has to pay $5,000 a month in alimony and under liabilities. (laughs) Sorry, I like to see bad people suffer. This makes me too messant. I really, this makes me happy. I'm very happy to see that there isn't enough scotch in the world to dull Rudy Giuliani's pain. Under liabilities, he listed 10 lawsuits filed against him. That includes one from last year, where a former female employee is accusing him of rape and forcing her to perform oral sex while he talked on the phone with Donald Trump. That's in the complaint. He forced her to perform oral sex while he talked on the phone with Donald Trump. These are monsters. Plus, he owes close to $1 million in back taxes. This is the guy who's going after Hunter Biden for not paying taxes, right? Why isn't Rudy being arrested? He owes the government $1 million? He's not being... uh, Arrested for that? As for accounts receivable, according to his financial statement, Rudy is still owed money for the work he did for Donald Trump back in 2020 and 2021 trying to prove election interference. Giuliani personally flew down to Mar-a-Lago last year begging Trump to pay his legal fees associated with that indictment in the Georgia RICO trial, but Trump refused. Instead, last year, Trump hosted two $100,000 plate dinners at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf club to help pay Rudy's legal expenses, did not put a dent in Rudy's legal expenses. After the two dinners, Rudy was only able to cut his lawyer a check for $14,000. Two, fourteen. Each, there were two $100,000 plate dinners at Trump's country club, and all Rudy pocketed was $14,000. Each plate was 100, it's like, that's like a fifth of a plate. Last autumn, Rudy was sued <laughs> for $1.4 million by his former lawyer who says Rudy owes him for the legal work he performed after Rudy got indicted, got sued for defamation, not to mention the two disbarment trials in Washington, D.C. and New York City. By the way, law license suspended in Washington and New York City still 
has not been taken away from him. CNBC reports that Rudy has taken $740,000 from his political action committee to pay his legal fees. So far, he has only been able to raise a total of $1 million despite all these fundraisers, and the money only came from 13 donors. One of them is Roger Ailes's widow. Remember Roger Ailes, the rapist who ran Fox News? His widow is donating to uh, Rudy. She gave, I think she gave about 75 grand to, to Rudy. Now, under law, Rudy can set up a political action committee, ask for donations, and he is free to spend that money any way he wants, like on lawyers. It should be against the law, but laws are written by lawyers. They don't want to get rid of that cash cow, super PACs, political action committees. So, at the top of this show, I promised my Trump supporters who listened that I would highlight the fine distinction between an ignorant Trump supporter and a stupid Trump supporter. An ignorant Trump supporter votes for Trump. A stupid Trump supporter not only votes for Trump, but also sends Trump money. And some incredibly stupid Trump supporters who listen to this show called me a liar for saying that Donald Trump was paying all his legal expenses through his Save America Super PAC. I got some emails. We have some Trump listeners who wrote to me outraged, insisting I lied when I said Donald Trump was taking donations made to his super PAC and using that money to pay his legal expenses. In their emails, they insisted that's against the law. And they said if he were doing this, they would know about it. Well, you're a Trump supporter. You don't know about anything because you're ignorant and you're stupid because you gave him money. You gave him money that makes you stupid. He ripped you off. He never told you that your money was going towards the one group of people you hate just as much as you hate blacks, Jews, Arabs, Mexicans, members of the transgender community, trial lawyers. You hate trial lawyers. But because you're stupid... Trump tricked you into thinking your donation was going towards his presidential campaign or investigating voter fraud. It's not going to any of that. He lied to you and you sent him money because you're stupid and your money is going towards people like this woman, Alina Haba, Alina Haba. Trump's trial lawyer, who represented him ignominiously during both the civil fraud trial and E. Jean Carroll's defamation lawsuit. I don't know if you remember, she's lost both. She lost the civil fraud trial, 
and she lost the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit. Supposedly, Trump is now shopping around for a new lawyer. He's unhappy with Alina Haba. Hard to believe Alina Haba, who works out of a strip mall near the Bedminster, New Jersey Golf Club, wasn't good at her job. At one point, she literally told the judge, <laughs> I have, I'm not making this up, I have no idea how to try this case. She's like a strip mall lawyer who Trump hired to do some work for the Bedminster, New Jersey Golf Club, and he liked the cut of her jib, and he said, represent me. Because he only surrounds himself with the best. Alina Haba served as general counsel to Trump's Save America Political Action Committee, PAC, his super PAC. And she has held several high-ranking positions in the Trump super PAC. As of October 2023, Trump's Save America Political Action Committee paid Alina Haba more than $3.5 million. Now, Save America, the Save America Super PAC, was set up on November 9th, 2020, right after Donald Trump lost the presidential election. And he began to raise money off his loss. He raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars claiming, I need this to investigate voter fraud to save America. Ergo, it's the Save America Super PAC. But none of that money ever made it to the people investigating the voter fraud. Rudy didn't get any. We know that because in his bankruptcy filings, he said so. Jenna Ellis didn't get any. She's been pretty vocal about that. Sidney Powell didn't get any, John Eastman didn't get any, and Kenneth Cheesebro, these are all the lawyers who Trump put out there to prove voter fraud, and none of them got paid a nickel from Trump's Save America Super PAC, even though stupid Trump supporters donated hundreds of millions of dollars to that super PAC, believing that Donald Trump was going to spend that money to prove voter fraud. And he couldn't. They lost 60 trials in the lead up to January 6th. 60 trials. Like I said, uh, if you vote for Donald Trump, you're ignorant. If you vote for him and give him money, you're stupid and ignorant. Just trying to help my listeners who are Trump supporters so you know who you are. Hundreds of millions of dollars Donald Trump raised, and uh, none of it went to where he said it was going to go. And when these lawyers who were sent out there to prove voter fraud, when they were all indicted, they came to Donald Trump and said, you know that super PAC, can we at least have some money to pay our legal fees? And Trump said, mine. 
mine. Not yours, mine. Now, there are reports that after Trump is found guilty in the D.C. election interference trial, special counsel Jack Smith's next indictment will be wire fraud, that Donald Trump will be indicted for wire fraud. It is against the law for Donald Trump to take money from his stupid supporters on false premises. It's perfectly legal for Donald Trump to take money from his super PAC and spend it on anything he wants, including lawyers, which is what he's doing. What's not legal is telling his incredibly stupid and ignorant donors that the money is going towards investigating voter fraud. That is fraud, wire fraud. Hundreds of millions of dollars were donated. Where did it go? Well, if you're a stupid Trump supporter, you might want to ask the stupid people who donated to the National Rifle Association. There's a big civil fraud trial going on right now. They can tell you where their money went. Stupid. You're stupid. Very, very stupid. You don't read. You get all your information from people who know you're stupid and take advantage of you. You're stupid and ignorant. That's a fact. You vote for Trump, you're ignorant. You vote for Trump and give him money, you're ignorant and stupid. That's who you are. That's who you are. So, this is from yesterday's New York Times, okay? Maggie Hagerman, Maggie Haberman, writing over at the New York Times, along with Shane Goldmacher, said that in 2023, Donald Trump spent at least $53 million in donations to pay his legal fees. Got it? Stupid Trump supporters? The Trump campaign made its official filings with the Federal Election Federal Elections Commission on Wednesday. Now, I know you don't trust the New York Times because it's written at a sixth grade reading level. So do your own research, MAGA. You're so good at doing your own research. Go look at the Trump campaign's official filings with the Federal Elections Commission. They came out on Wednesday. Check the filings, you morons. $53 million dollars at least, taken out of his super PAC, going to Alina Haba and all those attorneys. Now, then again, if you're a Trump supporter who donated to his PAC, you might think it's money well spent. And you might take some solace in the fact that Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, is true MAGA. And by that, I mean she's a bigot at least according to Business Insider, which reports Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, had a settle out of court last year with one of her black employees who accused Haba of throwing the 
N-word around the office the same way she tosses around lies in the courtroom. And, according to Business Insider, she once said of New York State Attorney General Letitia James, quote, I hate that black bitch. That's what she said in front of one of her black employees. She said of New York State Attorney General Letitia James, quote, I hate that black bitch, and that's in Business Insider, and she settled with the employee out of court. Didn't want to take it. Didn't want to restore her reputation by going before a judge. So, if you gave money to Donald Trump, it's not like some of it isn't going to a trial lawyer you would dislike. You'd probably like Alina. Eugene Carroll's attorney, who just got an $83.3 million judgment against Donald Trump for defaming Carroll, said she is now considering seeking sanctions against Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, for falsely claiming that the judge in the trial had a conflict of interest all because 30 years ago he worked at the same law firm as Carroll's attorney. More than 30 years ago, Carroll's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, and Judge Lewis Kaplan, no relation, were two of more than 1,000 attorneys working for the law firm of Paul Weiss. And Alina Haba raised this as a phony conflict of interest after losing her case, citing as evidence a poorly sourced article in the Rupert Murdoch-owned New York Post. Eugene Carroll's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, says she's considering bringing Alina Haba before a disciplinary board for making those charges because Carroll's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, and Judge Lewis Kaplan, no relation, 30 years ago were two of more than 1,000 attorneys working for the law firm of Paul Weiss. So there's a conflict of interest. You wouldn't have to worry about Alina Haba working for the law firm of Paul Weiss. Don't think they'd hire Alina Haba. She's strictly New Jersey strip mall. That's her Trump founder working out of a strip mall in New Jersey. Nikki Haley finally gave a straight answer on the E. Jean Carroll verdict. For several months, even after a jury found Donald Trump guilty of raping Carroll, Haley was evasive and refused to call Donald Trump what he most certainly is, a rapist. But on Sunday, she came close. Nikki Haley was asked, Who do you believe? Donald Trump or E. Jean Carroll? Haley said, I believe the jury. Almost a good answer. But you know who doesn't believe the jury? Rudy. Despite not getting paid a penny by Donald Trump, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani is still defending Trump. Rudy still thinks he's Donald Trump's attorney, even though Trump refuses to pay him for the work he's already done and won't even chip in on the legal fees. Rudy began working for Trump back in 2020 for free. 
He reportedly told Trump and his friends he was going to work for free because Rudy believed there was some status conferred upon his association with the president. And that status confirmed, conferred upon Rudy is pauper. Eventually, when Rudy saw the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars Trump was raising, supposedly to investigate voter fraud, Rudy began asking for money. And you know what Trump paid him? Nothing. In fact, Trump told Rudy he resented being asked for money and now trusted Rudy less. By the time Trump left office, literally kicking and screaming, Rudy, out of pocket, racked up close to $300,000 traveling around the country, challenging the election results in several key swing states. And he lost 60 cases, went before 60 judges, lost every one before January 6. And he lost about $300,000, went out of pocket on hotels, limousines, planes, It was finally last year when Trump finally agreed to at least pay Rudy for those expenses. America's mayor, big, strong, tough Rudy Giuliani, cowering in front of Rudy, in front of Trump, cowering in front of Trump. So now in his bankruptcy filings, uh, Rudy says when all is said and done, he could owe half a billion dollars in legal judgments alone. But here is Rudy freelancing, and by freelancing, lancing for free, because he's lancing for Donald Trump. This is Rudy freelancing right after the jury returned its $83.3 million verdict in favor of E. Jean Carroll, Here is Rudy attacking the judge. Well, the judge is a disgrace to the greatest court in America. Oh, says the judge is a disgrace. See, I I, I think I know why Rudy is saying that about Judge Lewis Kaplan. Uh, He is a disgrace. Uh, Back in 2014, Judge Lewis Kaplan threw out a lawsuit filed against Chevron by villagers in Ecuador's Lago Agria region who sued Chevron for water and soil contamination. But Judge Kaplan slapped their attorney, Stephen Donziger, with criminal contempt. And instead of Chevron executives going to prison, Stephen Donziger ended up in jail for six months. So I guess that's why Giuliani called Judge Lewis Kaplan a disgrace, because he is a disgrace. Good on you, Rudy. Continue. Please, please continue. This judge is a pure disgrace. He's telling, he's telling a lawyer what questions to ask. That's totally ridiculous. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Rudy isn't talking about Judge Kaplan ruling in favor of Chevron and against the Ecuadorian villagers and their lawyer. Rudy's talking about the E. Jean Carroll trial. Uh, go ahead, Rudy. He won't let him defend himself? He won't let Trump defend himself. That's what Rudy is saying. Because that trial, Rudy, was last year. 
where Trump refused to testify. Last year was the trial about the rape, and Trump was too chicken shit to take the stand, and he lost the case. And last week, Judge Kaplan explained to the jury and Donald Trump and Alina Haba that the entire purpose of this trial was to determine damages. The judge said, Trump, we already found Trump guilty of rape and defamation. This is all about how much does he have to pay? And the judge literally said, I won't allow you to turn this courtroom into a campaign rally. But it does seem only fair for it to become a campaign rally since Trump's stupid donors are footing the bill for his defense. That's what it was. Alina Haba really did turn it into a campaign rally. Go ahead, disgraced pauper Rudy Giuliani. Uh, and, and, and how is it inconsistent? Let's say, let's say he was, first of all, he was, he was found not guilty or not liable for rape. It was sexual assault, not rape. Okay. Wow. It was sexual assault, not rape. Uh, okay, so that's not true. The trial took place inside a federal courtroom, and according to federal law, any penetration of a woman's or her without consent is rape. It can be with a man's his finger, his tongue, although unlikely with Trump, I don't think he's going to be doing anything with his tongue, or an inanimate object. Fatty Arbuckle was wrongly convicted in San Francisco for allegedly using a Coke bottle. That is the definition of rape inside a federal courtroom. Penetration without consent. Doesn't matter what you use to penetrate. The judge wrote three times that Trump was found guilty of rape in common law parlance, so that the jury found him guilty of sexual assault because that was the only decision they were allowed to reach based on the limitations provided by the Adults Survivor Act, which was passed in New York State, allowing a brief one-year window for the statute of limitations on sexual assault to be lifted so victims could sue in civil court. Rudy is also being sued for rape. But look at how Rudy Giuliani lies. Uh, and, and, and how is it inconsistent? Let's say, let's say he was, first of all, he was, he was found not guilty or not liable for rape. It was sexual assault, not rape. It was sexual assault. Sorry. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, he thinks sexual assault sounds better than rape. And that's what some of my Trump supporters who listen have written to me. It wasn't rape. It was sexual. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 it's just you shouldn't laugh at ignorance. It wasn't rape. It was sexual assault. That's how they defend Trump. It wasn't rape. It was sexual assault. Well, my Trump listeners, sexual assault. I don't know if anybody ever told you this. 
uh, in incel land. I know you're mostly involuntary celibate, so, uh, but sexual assault is rape, okay? I'm, I'm trying to be your friend here. Forced sexual penetration, no matter how slight, is rape. Sexual assault is rape. They're synonymous. You know who knows they're synonymous? Women and any guy not being accused of rape. Well, here is Rudy defending Trump on the defamation charges. You can be, you can be uh, guilty of rape and still a person can be a wacko. Yeah. That's what he, that's what he's, uh, uh, that was a defamation. You're allowed to still defend yourself against defamation. So he's saying Trump, he, you know, Trump, even if he did rape her, uh, Agent Carroll could be a wacko, so that wasn't defamation. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if anyone told you this, Rudy, uh, but the only thing more traumatic than sex with you or Donald Trump would be getting raped by you or Donald Trump. Calling somebody a wacko, calling E. Jean Carroll a wacko, uh, people never fully recover from rape. And they deal with rape in a whole host of ways, from trivializing sex to never again being able to be intimate with anybody for the rest of her life. And I think that's what happened to E. Jean Carroll. I don't want to go over E. Jean Carroll's testimony. She's not wacko. She is damaged because Donald Trump raped her. And I hate that I have to discuss this. Because I don't want to come across as the guy who's in touch with women's feelings, because I'm not. The reason I've been divorced so many times is I don't give a shit what women are feeling <laughs> or thinking. I don't care what anyone is feeling or thinking. I just want to be left alone. I just want to be left alone in my bubble. I don't want to know how your day went or how Susie look, looked at you the wrong way at the office. I don't care how you, Susie at the office, or anybody feels. So I don't want to be the guy who's, you know, Mr. Sensitivity, because I'm not. However, there is a breed of men out there who are monsters. Rudy Giuliani is a monster when it comes to women. And Donald Trump, most definitely, is a monster. And uh, there are young men who look up to, to these guys. There are men right now who see Donald Trump as a role model. There are 16-year-old boys on Facebook right now saying, it wasn't rape, it was sexual assault. And there's nobody in their life to tell them how stupid they are for saying that, how ignorant they are for saying that, and how dangerous they are for thinking that. See, I, I know things can get a lot worse in America, but not really. This is pretty bad. This is, uh, this is as bad as it gets. It really is. Uh, 
next stop, if it gets any worse, next stop, Jesus comes. Uh, we are dealing with imbeciles. Imbeciles who think because they say it, it's correct. Rudy's an imbecile. Donald Trump is an imbecile. Elise Stefanik is an imbecile. January 6th wasn't an insurrection. It was a bunch of patriots exercising their First Amendment rights, and, and now they're hostages. Donald Trump built the wall. That's what we're being told. He built the wall. Under Donald Trump, it was the best economy ever. Vaccines are more dangerous than COVID. It wasn't rape. It was sexual assault. Imbeciles. Dangerous imbeciles. It is the perfect hurricane of depraved and desperate con men like Rudy or Trump meeting up with millions of lonely, ignorant, stupid, and rudderless Americans of which there is no dearth. I say it can't get any worse because while there are millions of these voters, there still aren't enough. I have faith in America. I still have faith in the hundreds of millions of Americans who weren't homeschooled and remember all the niceties taught in kindergarten. That's how stupid Trump supporters are. That's how ignorant Trump supporters are. They can't even pass kindergarten. Forget high school. They would get F's in kindergarten. If any of these Trump supporters had to do a year in kindergarten, F. They don't know how to share. They don't know how to speak to others with respect. They only really talk with their hands. They think might makes right. They, they can't sit still for story time unless the story is one that's filled with lies, bigotry, and hatred. Every single one of Trump's voters would fail kindergarten. And it's, it's kind of what makes me so angry because Trump has them convinced he's smart, but he's stupid. He's a con artist. And being a con artist doesn't make you smart. It makes you immoral. Anybody can be a con artist. Uh, when you are a con artist, it means you know you're stupid. You know you can't rely on your wits, your intelligence, or creativity. You have to lie. Anybody can do what Donald Trump does. All you need is a big chunk of your brain to be missing. Now, I keep getting notes from listeners who are Biden supporters, telling me to stop calling Trump supporters ignorant and stupid. Well, what else would you call 
these people, and I use the term people loosely. What else would you call a Trump supporter other than ignorant and stupid? My Biden voters say, if you keep calling Trump supporters stupid, they won't come over to our side and vote for Biden. Anybody who thinks Trump supporters would ever vote for Biden if we just stop calling them stupid is stupid. Now I'm voting for Biden. I wanted Bernie. Uh, and anybody who didn't vote for Bernie, stupid. If you listen to Bernie talk, you read his policy papers on everything from healthcare to Israel. You watch him on that Fox News town hall. And if you don't see Bernie Sanders as God's gift to democracy, you're stupid. You really are stupid. Look, I'm not running for office. I don't give a shit. If you watch Bernie and if you don't think he's the answer, you're stupid and immoral, which is pretty much the same thing. But we're stuck with Biden. And anyone who doesn't vote for Joe Biden is stupid and immoral. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you for putting up with my rage today. Uh, some days I start reading and I just, what universe am I living in? I need to go touch a tree. I need to get out of Manhattan. Thank you to Bob who monitors the chat room and keeps the conversation civil. Thank you for your comments. Please leave a comment. I read all your comments. And please like this episode so I remain in your feed. Share it, please. And subscribe to my newsletter and this channel. There was no poll today. But thank you all for listening to me. Don't be stupid. And don't argue with stupid people. Ignore them. They're not voting for Biden. You're not going to win them over. It's stupid to argue with a stupid person. That's what they live for. All right. Thank you very much. 